God encounters their hearts and meets with them. Father, we just come on behalf of all of our students who are in Mexico right now. We just pray that your hand would be upon them, Lord God, that you would encounter their hearts with your word, that you would use them, Father, to bless those around them, to be instruments and tools of your kingdom and of your blessing, Father. And Lord, we just say, have your way. We commit them to you. We pray for protection to be upon them and let them come back transformed in a great way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We have a couple quick announcements before we get to the word. So March 1st, mark your calendars. That is what, Friday? That is Friday. We do have P3, which is our joint monthly prayer meeting with all the English departments of the church, except for the little kids, okay? Our junior high, high school, college, and English ministry, adult English ministry, we're going to be coming together once a month um, at the first Friday of every month, and we're calling this P3. So we want to invite you to join us and be part of that. But on March 1st, we are also kicking off our prayer initiative um, for this the rest of this school year. We are, we've been asking everyone to sign up to commit to at least one prayer meeting a week. And if you have not done that, today is your last day to do it or to make any amendments or changes to your commitment. This is a voluntary commitment, but we are going to hold you accountable. So if you sign up and commit yourself to one prayer meeting a week or more, and you miss a prayer meeting, then you are going to get a friendly Venmo request from your prayer team leader. And we're going to ask you to pay $5 for accountability. It's not going to make anyone richer, but it is going to bless some child in the third world. It's going to be going straight to Compassion International that we love. We partner with them. We're we are supporting um, like 12 kids in the back that we pray for regularly. But this is going to be another great blessing to them. But what we want to ask, and the reason why we're doing this is because we know that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Okay, when we give, when we talk about prayer a lot, we give vision for it. It's easy to be like, yes, okay, let's do it. It's hard a month later, right? A month later is when you're like, why am, why am I waking up to go to this prayer meeting again? And I understand, I totally understand the hardship and the, di the difficulty of it. So what we want to do is build this accountability because we believe that God is telling us this is important and it's not just for us. This is something that many Korean-American leaders in particular are hearing right now. And so we're joining unofficially with TMP for their praise and prayer Monday through Friday. We are hosting our own morning prayer right here in this room Tuesday through Saturday. We have campus houses of prayer. We have so much opportunity for prayer. We're just asking you, join with us. And we're calling this a step forward in prayer. We're not calling it a temporary boost. We're not saying pray hard for three months. We're saying Oh, that we would get a, a passion for the place of prayer. And we're going to take a step forward as a community to get there because we believe that it's something God is speaking to our generation that we must prioritize prayer. And if we do not, that we're going to be passed by in this next move of God. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to be passed by. I am going to prioritize prayer, and I ask that you would join us. So that's going to be starting March 1st. If you've been coming out to prayer meetings um, until now, that's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. But the accountability is going to start March 1st and is going to go until the end of the school year. So that starts March 1st. And to start that, we're going to be calling everyone into a corporate fast. Everyone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. We love fasting. Just kidding. Nobody loves fasting. Okay. 
But we love the way it unlocks and unleashes the grace of God on our lives. That's what we love. So we are calling, it's been a while since we've done a corporate fast. We are calling it corporate fast, not just us, but if, if any of you guys were watching the live stream of The Send, they called a corporate fast for everybody. We're joining in in a national 40-day fast from March 1st through April 9th. It just happens to start on the day we're starting our prayer initiative. What a divine coincidence, right? Praise Jesus. And we're joining in. We're calling everyone to join us for a 40-day media fast. A 40-day media fast. And the way that I always define media for myself personally is any media that's just for fun. Okay? I personally, I do, I, I, I go online and I watch videos if it's for work. Okay? But if it's for fun, that's fasting for me. We give you freedom on how you want to define your own media fast. But we ask that you would join in with us. If you feel like, man, Pastor Dennis, that's just... Be delivered in Jesus' name, okay? You really need a fast. That's what that means, okay? If you feel like you can't fast media for 40 days, I lovingly say this. You really need to join us for this media fast. And you might want to consider just cutting it out of your life, okay? Because if it's an idol, man, that thing's going to kill you spiritually. So I, that's, that's the heart in which I say this now. If you're like, Pastor Dennis, media fast, man, that's so easy. That's like nothing. That's barely even fasting for me. Well, praise God for your faith, Okay? You are welcome to, do, to add to this media fast and do a Daniel fast on top of it, to do a juice fast if you have a lot of faith. If you're going to do a water fast, which means that you're just going to drink water for 40 days, please see me first, okay? Don't do that um, just because you feel a lot of passion for it. We're going we're gonna to test you and see if you have the wisdom to be able to do something like that, okay? But we'll give you pointers and stuff like that. Okay, all right, so that's the big announcement. Today is the last day to make amendments or to sign up for prayer, and I do invite you to join us in this because I do think that it's something that God is doing. All right, last announcement. If you were part of our Ignite conference, our, the tests are going to be available after service on my desk. They're going to be available for the next two weeks. Just take a test off of my desk, go into the side room in the pastor's office, take the test, leave the finished test on my desk, and we will get you your grades in a couple weeks. Amen. You guys ready to hear a message, a glorious message today? All right, let's give our brother Nick Kang a hand as it comes up. Hi. Yeah, as you can tell, uh, I came back from Orlando, and it's because I didn't do my hair today, you know? I'm just kidding. I, uh, I got burned. I got burned, man. I was sitting outside for seven hours on one side of the stadium, and the sun was only here. And for some reason, I stood out there just as long as everyone else, but for some reason, I'm the one that got, like, crazy burned. My joke is that, you know, I had a burning bush moment with God. And you know how, like, in that burning bush, God is like, Moses, don't get any closer. He was like, Nick, don't get any closer. But my face was already in the fire, you know? <laughs> Anyways. We had a great time, though. I'll, I'll share a little bit. Um, yeah, at Contend, I think what was really good is I went there expecting that, like, God would bring a deeper burden for souls, uh, a deeper conviction but actually what, I, what, I, what God was teaching me throughout this end is that he wasn't trying to bring a deeper burden. He wasn't trying to bring a deeper conviction. He was trying to bring back hope in the church to believe that God can really save souls again in a great and a mighty way, right? And so that's pretty much the send uh, in a nutshell. Anyways, all right. 
If we can open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 5. It's going to be verse 21. And uh, as you guys are going there, I'll just pray for us. Um, Thank you, Father, for this day and for this time. And I just ask, Lord, that you would really speak to us today, Lord. Um, I ask, Father, that you would touch people's hearts, that you would really speak to their soul, and that, Lord, you would bring life into every single person that's here, Lord. We love you, Lord, so much. We thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today, I'm going to be talking about um, how Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Because in our time, at least for our people, our generation, we tend to think like, no, there's so many other ways, right? We, I, we had a friend at Contend um, who we just met there. His name is Nathan, and I was talking with him, and he's like, yeah, it kind of sucks because he's from Seattle. Seattle's also like kind of liberal. And so he's like, yeah, dude, I tell people like I found Jesus and all this stuff, and they're always like, oh, you know, I'm glad you found your way. You know, he's like, dude, it frustrates me. <laughs> like, whenever they say that, it's just like, oh, it's like, it's not just a way, right? Like, this is like everything to me. And I think we live in a time where like, everyone thinks that like every religion is just a way to, to some kind of spiritual life, or even a way to heaven, or a way to God. But really, what Jesus says is, He is the way the truth, and the life. No one can get to God except through him. And we're going to see a story of how this actually plays out and why this is so true. So Mark chapter 5, verse 21 says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So what we see here in this story is we see um, Jesus, he has like this huge crowd of people. At this time, like he's getting really popular. Everyone wants to come and see this guy. Everyone wants to come and know who Jesus is and hopefully be like, oh, I want to be counted as one of his disciples. You know, that everyone is following him. And you know, I can't even imagine, 
you know, I, I always try to think of this, you know, I can't imagine hundreds of people following one person, like, down the street. You know what I'm saying? That, like, that just looks really weird. But Jesus didn't only have, like, a hundred. He had, like, like, close to like thousands of people following him everywhere he went. You know, it's like, it's just a weird scene. And at this time, like everyone is trying to get their little bit from Jesus, right? Everyone is pressing around Jesus. They're, I'm sure they're touching him like, woo, look at this guy. He's the one that like heals people. He's the one that casts out demons like, ah, uh, you know, and they're like, they're trying to get what they can from Jesus. They're trying to, you know, Maybe they're trying to get like a word, like, hey, I know you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, everyone look, he knows me. Or like, hey, you, like, what, whatever it might be. Like, people are looking to be almost like affirmed or they're trying to receive just something little, something small, but just something at all from Jesus. Everyone is pressed up around him. They're, they're trying to understand, like, who the heck is this guy? Because they don't know fully, but they just hear all these stories. But then there's this one woman who had a discharge of blood. Now, for the Jews, this meant that she was unclean, right? She was not allowed to be there. She was not allowed to even go, like this thought that she had, if I just touch the garment of his robe. She wasn't even allowed to do that, actually. She wasn't allowed to touch because she was unclean, ritually unclean. All this, eh. But she believed that if she could touch Jesus, that she would be healed. But the thing that goes even deeper and more beyond that is she understood that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. You see, the Bible talks about how she went to many physicians, she spent all that she had, yet she still grew worse. I think that's like some of us today too, right? We, we, Go to everything we can in order to find life, in order to find the way that we can, you know, achieve the dream or whatever it might be. And the more that we actually press into it, the more, you know, the more it's kind of like a rubber band. The more you go into it, the harder it's going to spring back and hit you. And it was like this, like the more that she was trying to get her life, get her way, get healed through all these different means, Feel something that was broken within her. The more she was investing into that, the Bible actually says, the worse she got. You know, for me, it was breakdancing. <laughs> I always laugh because it's like a weird, obscure thing that no one cares about, but for some reason, I cared about it a lot, you know? Pastor Dennis talks about video games. Everyone can relate to video games. I talk about breakdancing. There's not, there's like maybe Josh, you know, only one person who understands. But I don't even know if he had dreams to become great at this breakdancing thing, you know what I'm saying? The community is literally like maybe a million people, you know, in the entire world. <laughs> That's tidy. Um, I had this dream <laughs> of becoming one of the best breakdancers in my, like in this time. And I would invest everything that I had. Like, you know, when I, be, when I became a believer and I got saved, I went all in for Jesus. But I knew what it meant to go all in for something because I already went all in for something else. I was like this woman, right, who went all in. She went to as many physicians as she could. She was looking for the best. And she spent all that she had. And that was me too. I, 
I was looking for, man, what can I invest into to become something great? And, and when I find that thing, I'm going to invest all that I have. Right? Like in high school, I had friends who were like drinking and doing drugs. But at least in high school, I, except for hookah, I stayed away from it. Because I just, because I was so focused on like, hey, like I want to be really great at breakdancing. So, this just sounds so funny. I want to be really great at breakdancing. So I'm not going to do these things because I literally spent every single day practicing. I would practice for three or four hours after school, in high school. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> I dropped from AP classes to regular classes so that I could dance. Like, this is like how serious I was, you know? I would stay over my friend's house and not tell my parents, and they would call me, but I would just turn off my phone, and they would never find me because I would just be dancing, you know? I went all in for this, and I had all these dreams. And actually, like me and my crew, we became the best in Orange County. And then we started to move down to different counties to battle in L.A., and our name was getting known in L.A. Then we moved to San Diego so that our name can, can spread in San Diego. Then we moved to San Jose so that our name could spread in San Jose. But the more I went into this, right, I was getting paid. I got to, like, private teach people in their homes. Like, it's like, yeah, almost like private tutoring. I got private teach people in their homes, little kids. <laughs> Did shows, right, for Korean festival at Garden Grove, um, you know, just other obscure shows, yeah. Um, yeah, kind of weird. I would, get, I would get asked to judge competitions. I would get asked to do exhibition battles. I, I used to do a lot of these things, right? And, and, and people knew me, and they respected me, and, like, you know, they feared me when, when they would battle me. And I invested so much into this, and I thought that I was living my dream. But then... A day came when I realized, dude, like, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Like, I, I'm, like, getting up there. I'm doing all these things. I'm making a name for myself and for my crew. My crew's helping my name. I'm helping their name. We're, we're building up to this thing. But I still felt empty on the inside. That's when... I started to go and do drugs and everything since my friends were already doing it. And I still felt empty. So then I went back into dancing, thinking that it would fulfill me again. But in fact, it made me feel even worse. And I realized that I was dead on the inside. And that's what brought me to start to seek God. So this woman, she, she understood that there was no other way, that Jesus was the way. That there was no way that she could receive healing and receive, like, you know, when we're sick, it's because our life is broken. Like, spiritually speaking, right? <laughs> There's something wrong. I'm not healthy. My life is broken, so I'm sick, right? She's sick. Her life is broken, but Jesus is the one that can really complete that life, bring healing, because he is life. And The difference between her, though, and everyone else in this crowd, is there's like thousands of people, I'm imagining, not thousands because that's impossible, but like, you know, tens of people because 
Not everyone can come and touch him. But there's tens of people around him touching him and like getting, he's brushing up on him and stuff like that. But none of them got what that woman got. None of them experienced the power of God. None of them experienced the love of God. None of them experienced how Jesus really was the way, the truth, and the life. Isn't that like very, very interesting? Because I feel like that's like so many people today, right? They will come out to church or they'll go to Bible studies or they'll hear a preacher on YouTube or on the radio, and they hear all these things, and they, they get close to Jesus. They're actually close, right? They have Christian friends, or they get, they get part of a house church. They do all these things. They get close to Jesus, but they don't actually receive any of his power. They don't actually receive any of his love. But the difference between the people in the crowd and the woman is that the people in the crowd, Jesus was just a way. Before the woman, Jesus was the way. For the crowd, they were like, if Jesus doesn't work, I got all these other plans. I could follow all these other rabbis. I could go and, and be a part of all these other things. But this woman was like, I, I have nowhere else to go. I spent all that I had. I gave everything. I invested into all of these other physicians thinking that they could heal me. I have nowhere else to go. And, and that was the same with me too. I had nowhere else to go. I, I gave myself to everything that I saw to be a good and a great thing. But the more I invested into that, the more it, it was like a rubber band. Pa! Just hit. And I realized that, man, like, if these things that I consider to be great can't even give me the life, is not the way, is not what's really going to fulfill me, then what in this world is going to be that for me? So when I went, you know, I, I got saved in Panama 2015. July. And when I went there, I had the same attitude as this woman. You know, I'm coming here, God, because I hear that you're good. I hear that if you feel empty and dead on the inside, that you can give life. And I went with this attitude. All right, God, I'm, you know, just as I gave everything to breakdancing, I'm coming here and I want to give everything to you. Whatever the pastor says, whatever the leaders ask me to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm not only going to do it, but I'm going to do it 100%. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. If they ask me to bow, I'm going to bow the best, you know? If they ask me to raise my hands, I'm going to stretch it as high as I can. If they tell me to sing, I'm going to sing even though I suck at singing, right? Whatever they would ask me to do, I said, God, I'm going 100% in. That way, if you don't show up, if I don't experience you the way that these other people have experienced you, at least on my end, I can say that you're not real because I know I gave it my 100%. When they would ask me to pray, I don't even know how to pray, but I would just pray. <laughs> uh, Jesus, Jesus, you know, like what are other people saying? All right, you know, like, but I would, I would do it too. You see, because I came to a, a point in my life where Jesus couldn't just be away. And we live in a culture where, we, where the world is teaching you that Jesus is just a way. That there's so many other ways to life. And if you grew up in church, you start to think and believe those things. Because you start to look at your Instagram and you start to see your friends going to music festivals and taking all these pictures. And it looks like they're having fun. But let me tell you the truth. They're actually not having that much fun. 
That's why they have to post on it. I have so much fun. I, I barely post on my Instagram. <laughs> but they have to continually post to feed themselves, to help them understand, I am having a good life. This is a good thing. I should keep doing this. You see, like, we start to believe these lies that Jesus is just a way for blessedness. But there's other ways of blessedness. But there isn't. There's only one way. There, once we start to compromise that belief that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, all of a sudden you diverge from the path that truly gives you life. And then you start to experience all this weird stuff. You don't come to know the power of God. You see, Jesus... He actually wasn't even intentionally looking for this woman, right? The reason why I read that first part is like, what? Like, that's a paragraph that kind of goes to waste. But the reason why I read that is because he was on a mission to go heal someone else's daughter. He wasn't even, seemingly, isn't even thinking about this person. There's a whole crowd, and this woman comes in that crowd and sneaks her way in. But it doesn't matter, this is my theology. <laughs> it doesn't matter if God is like coming to you and saying, hey, I want you to come and follow me. I don't, I don't think it has to be like that. What we see in this story is that this woman, she chose in faith to give it all. Even though Jesus wasn't even looking at her, he didn't even know. He's like, who touched me? Right? He didn't even know. He wasn't even looking at her. But it was her faith that caused Jesus, this is crazy, caused the Son of God to stop and turn around. It was her faith. And I don't know where you guys are at today. I don't know if you feel like the face of Jesus is shining on you as brightly as my face is to you. I don't know if you feel far from God, like his back has been turned away from you. But I want to encourage you. Jesus' back was turned to this woman. And that didn't stop her from receiving her miracle. And that didn't stop her from receiving the love of God. And that didn't stop her from experiencing the power of God for herself. What is faith? Faith is simply this. I, 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 I've been praying a lot about faith. Because I was like, God, why do you ask people for faith? Of all things, why do you ask for faith? I don't know if you guys have ever qu questioned that. And God is like, you know why? It's because wherever your faith is, there your heart is too. And I'm looking for your heart. Wherever your faith is in, there your heart will be. If your faith is in money, when it comes to the fork in the road, whether it's God or money, you're going to choose money. Wherever your faith is, there your heart will be too. But what is faith? It boils down to simply this, saying yes to Jesus. It doesn't get actually more complicated than that. Because the Bible, Jesus says, if you want to come and follow me, you have to first deny yourself. You have to say no to yourself. Pick up your cross and then come and follow me. 
You know the cross? The cross symbolizes the world, right? He died for the sins of the world. But he first says, deny yourself first. Then you go and deny the world. Then you can come and follow me. We get it sometimes twisted. Let me deny the world. Don't deny myself, but I can still follow Jesus. But he says, no, first, say no to who you are. Because who you are right now is not who you're supposed to be. And who you're supposed to be is supposed to come upon you and cause you to grow and cause you to live a life that actually looks like the life of Jesus. You know, like, I'm not perfect. I still sin, right? But when I sin, I always pray this. God, I thank you because I've been born again. I have. But I say, God, I thank you that that's who I was, but it's not who I am. And who I am is growing each and every single day more and more into your image, into the image of the beloved son. And who I was is fading away along with this world because that's the Bible. This body, this old self is fading away along with this world. And the new self is being renewed each and every single day after the image of Jesus. So faith is simply a yes to Jesus. And if you give someone a yes, you give everything else a no, right? By Pastor Dennis saying yes to Hannah and Hannah saying yes to Dennis, that one yes means 3.5 billion no's. So you don't have to say, you don't, like people are like, I got to say no to drugs. I got to say no to sex. I got to say no to this. No, you just have to say yes to Jesus. And then all these things change. Right? When you get so fixated on like, man, I just want to be free from this sin or from that sin, you're fighting the wrong battle. The good fight that the Bible talks about, he says, is the good fight of faith. It's the good fight of saying yes to Jesus each and every single day and each and every single moment. You see, this woman, that's what she had. She only had one yes, but she gave that yes to Jesus. And that's all we have too. We only have one yes, but who are you going to give that yes to? Are you going to give that yes to Jesus? Are you going to give that yes to yourself? Are you going to give that yes to the world? It's really upon you. You have the power to give that yes to whoever you want, but whoever you give that yes to, that person, that thing becomes your master. If you give it to yourself, you become your master. If you give it to the world, the world becomes your master. But if you give it to Jesus, Jesus becomes your master. Whoever you give your yes to, this is who your master will be. And this woman gave, we only have one yes. We only have one yes. She gave her one yes to Jesus. And something amazing happened. And this woman who was ritually unclean, not supposed to touch Jesus, not supposed to even be near him, not even supposed to be out in this crowd. Jesus' response to this, as she comes and she just tells him the whole truth of, hey, I said yes to you and this is what happened. Jesus' response is, this person who is seen as an outcast, seen as the least, seen as dirty, seen as like, this is not someone that you want to regularly interact with. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
calls her a daughter. That's what happens when you say, when you give your yes to Jesus. When you don't give your yes to Jesus, you are a sinner in need of his mercy. But when you give your yes to Jesus, something miraculous happens where all your sins are forgiven. And he, you change from a sinner into a saint. You change from an orphan into a child. You get, in, you get adopted into God's family. And your life will never be the same. He says, go in peace. We have peace. We have come to know a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So no matter what happens, I have peace. No matter where the nation is turning, I have peace. Because this, is this isn't even my kingdom anyways. I got a different kingdom. I'm living for a different nation. But he also says, be healed of your disease. You see, the Bible says that all of us, before we know Jesus, we're dead on the inside. We're not uh, dead on the inside. That's, that's what I say. The Bible says, you're dead, period. The Bible says you're dead. And people always wonder, like, what does it mean by you're dead? Like, I'm still alive. So I tell people, you're like the walking dead, right? You... You could move and you could do, you could eat, you could do all that stuff, but, but really you're, you're like a zombie. You're dead. You have no substance. You have no real life in you. And we're like parasites. And we look for things that will give us life, right? The things that, the things that we determine to be good are the things that we think are going to give us life. That's what it boils down to. And so you, you, you go to this thing because you think that it's good. It's going to give you life. And you suck out as much life as you can from this. Whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, grades, career, breakdancing, whatever it might be, you're drawing as much life as you can from it. But once it stops giving you life, you're going to say, I'm done. I'm going to move on. We're like parasites. But the reason why we're like this, where we have to continually draw life, is because we were made for eternal life. We were made to continually draw life from one source, from God. You can try to find it in all these other things, but you're going to have to try to draw it from all these different broken cisterns, and it's not going to be good. But when you get, it's like, you know, all of this is muddy water. Going to all these other things is like muddy water. Going to God is living water. It's good. I had a brain fart right now. Oh. Next point. <laughs> what it also means to be dead is, um, my professor gave me this. It was so awesome. I loved this one. He said, you know, it's like, it's like a phone without a charger right? You keep, everyone without Jesus is like a phone without a charger. You, you have a phone, and it has a battery, and you can last for a while, but without a charger, your phone is as good as dead. I thought that was pretty cool, because it's like, yeah, we've been kind of cut off from life. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. 
We've been cut off from life. We've been born in the image of God. So we've been born with like this, this 100% battery. But as we continue to live life, our battery starts to drain. And we're looking for life the older that we get. But we can't find it in anything in this world except for Jesus. And he's the one that's, that will charge you back up. He's more than a charger, but I just thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, I don't want us to be like, I'm only going to Jesus because I need my fulfillment. I'm only going to Jesus because I need a purpose. I'm only going to Jesus because of this or that. No, no, no. We, we, we come to Jesus. We come to Jesus because we believe in who he is. And we believe in this, that he does love people. Right? He's a king. He's a savior. He is God. But really, like, this whole thing is about how much he wants to start a family. And this is what we come to believe. This is how all of this happens. Because guess what? If you think God is primarily king and Lord, you'll probably fall into legalism, right? A master and just a servant. I'm just a servant. If you think that he's just a savior, you'll fall into hyper grace, you won't care about holiness. But if you understand him as a father, if you understand him that he wants to be a part of a family, that he's a great king, yes. He has rules for righteousness, for holy living. But that he, he speaks all these things. He does all that he does because he is love. And everything that he asks, everything that he commands is for the sake of love. You won't, don't, don't worry, you won't fall to legalism and you won't fall to that hyper grace. And so this is just the call today. You can be like that woman and you can get that blessing from God. You can get that miracle from God. You can get that power from God because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. I don't, this, all of this doesn't matter. But it's a matter of power. We got saved by God's power, not by someone's teaching. And if you got saved by someone's teaching, talk to one of us. <laughs> because when you, I remember, I, let me tell one story. And I'll wrap it up and I'll be done. I went to Orange I tell this story because this is like kind of, it always relates to this. Um, so I went to Orange. You guys know Orange, right? Next to Zhang. Zhang. Yeah, next to Zhang. They like, they like drink there and they just eat. So anyways, God told me to go to Orange at midnight. And I was like, ah, okay. You know, and so, you know, I actually waited here at church for like two hours just laying down. You would think that like because God gave me that command that I would like be praying until that day, until that time came. Now I was just laying down on my Facebook and Instagram. I was like, I just got to wait till 12 and then I'm going to go. I go there at 12 and because um, the reason why, so God t told me, go there at 12 because someone there has been seeking me for a while and I want you to meet him. And I said, okay. So, um, so I waited at 12. I, I leave. Um, Actually, where's Daniel Lee? I was talk that's where I first, uh, I was talking to Daniel, actually, you know, because he came in later. Anyways, so I, would go, I go over to Orange, 
Um, and then when I go to Orange, uh, there's these two groups of guys, but I just, for some reason, I just choose the one on the right. And I go up to them and I say, hey, my name is Nick. I'm here because God told me to come here. And he said that one of you guys are seeking after Jesus. I just said it straight up, yeah. I, I, that's, that's just, I actually don't know how to smoothly go into things. I just say things straight up, yeah. So <laughs> I just say that and, you know, everyone's drunk because their face was like as red as mine. Like, they're all drunk. And uh, these guys, they're all like, oh, and they push their friend, right? And then the friend, he's trying to be all cool in front of his friend. So he's like, huh, yeah, that's me, you know? <laughs> and I tell him, hey, man, so you've been seeking after Jesus. We have this conversation. And then in the midst of this conversation, he's like, yeah, I believe I'm saved because I found a church that teaches Reformed theology. And I think that Reformed theology is the right theology, I said, I just looked at him in the eyes and I said, you're not saved. <laughs> and he was like, huh, what? I was like, your testimony has nothing to do with Jesus, has everything to do with a theology, has everything to do with a system of teaching, right? But is not Jesus the Savior? And he's like, huh? So then I preached the gospel to him, right? And after I preached, you could tell like something was happening and I prayed for him. And after I prayed for him, Right after I prayed for him, he looks at me and he's like, will I ever see you again? You know? <laughs> it's kind of like a movie. <laughs> uh, so funny. And I, I, told, I told the guy, like, you know, um, yeah, I, I told him, hey, look, I don't want to step on your church's toes or anything like that. And so uh, I, you know, if they're, like, since they're Christians, they're, they're my brothers and sisters, actually. And so I want, I want to believe in them, and I trust in their leadership. And so you should still keep going to your church, but just tell your pastor, like, what happened today, you know, and just process it with him. And so that's what happened. But anyways, the reason why I share that story is because if you got saved because you heard a pastor's teaching, because you got married to this idea of a, of a whole system of thought, a philosophy, of, a, of a, like a religious system, but you actually have never encountered Jesus then you haven't been saved. The Bible says it's his divine power that saves us. You know, the, the story of Exodus shows us that this is how God saves. You know, the Israelites just walked through the water, but it was by God's power that they were actually delivered because he was the one that parted the Red Sea. He was the one that brought plagues. He was the one that brought manna from heaven and water from rocks. These things don't happen on a normal basis, if you didn't know. Like, this is crazy. But this is who God is. When he saves us, he saves us in that same fashion. You got delivered from a domain of darkness, transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. You were transformed from a child of darkness. Actually, the Bible says you're a child of the devil. But then you became a child of God. It's a radical thing that happens. God, can you, can you think about this for a second? God himself lives inside of you. That's weird. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives inside of us. That is crazy. And how could that not radically change a person? God coming in to live inside of a person. How could that not radically change someone? 
How could that not just completely flip and reorient your life? It has to. It's God. But it's by his power that we are saved. It's by his power that we are healed. It's by his power that we have been delivered from everything and are still being delivered to this day. And all it takes is what this woman did. All it takes is to give your one yes to Jesus. That's all it is. And everything else, this is the good news. Everything else is him. Everything else is him. That's called grace. Say yes to Jesus, and he lets it happen. God, I want to be free from sexual immorality, lust, and all these things. Then give me your yes. Huh? Like, no boundaries? Boundaries are good, but give me your yes, because without your yes, your boundaries mean nothing. Because the matter is not, an, it's not a matter of your hands or your mind. It's a matter of your heart, and your heart needs to change. Oh, okay, I'll just give you my yes. Then all of a sudden, he changes your heart, and then you don't have those desires anymore. For the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, and the desires of the flesh are against the spirit to keep you from doing what you actually want to do. So all it takes is one, your one yes. If you give that to Jesus, I believe in miracles, and I believe salvation is the greatest miracle. So when people say it's a process, I say, that's garbage. It happens. It happens immediately. It happens immediately. You know, when we get glorified bodies, it says, in a twinkling of an eye. I just imagine Disney. Ding. Or, you know, Korean drama. Ding. When they wink. Ding. <laughs> like, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. That's pretty, that's pretty fast, you know? I believe that salvation is a miracle, and it happens immediately. And all it takes is your one yes. Jesus, you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And I'm staking everything on that. And if we can do that, because guess what? This is not just a message for those who are new believers or don't know Jesus. This is the message for Christians your entire life. How, do you, how are you sanctified? Don't diverge from that path. Keep saying yes to Jesus and let his grace flow through your life. All right, this, is, this is how you are sanctified. This is how you are matured. The, the mature Christian and the immature Christian the difference is the mature Christian has, he's just said yes more, right? He's not anything special because whether it's a weak yes or a loud yes, all God is looking for is a yes. You know, he said faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. So it's like, God, I don't know, but okay, because that's what happened to me, man, Right? I don't know, man. I'm pretty much going to die if I decide to do this. Because I had a vision where I was on a cliff, and I literally had to take a leap of faith to be saved. And I was like, I'm probably going to die because the mile, I mean, the chasm is a mile across. You know, I can jump maybe five feet. You know, <laughs> I'm going to die. 
I said, my logical conclusion was, if Jesus really is God, God, then what the heck? And I just gave him that yes, and everything changed in a twinkling of an eye. Boom. Wow. And that could be you today. Right? Whether you're a Christian who's been walking with the Lord for a while, you know, if you've just diverged from the path a little and you forgot about how simple this is, how it's just about saying yes to Jesus and allowing his grace to flow, then, man, I want you to come back. If you're a new believer and, like, what is Christianity all about? This is what it's all about. Foundationally. If you don't know Jesus, this is how you come to know Jesus. Because I don't want you to be like the people in this crowd who got so close to him, who heard him teach, who ate with him, who touched him, yet they still didn't know that he was the son of God. Yet they still weren't delivered from their darkness. They're still stuck in the bondage of insecurity and condemnation and guilt and shame and living, not, living to please other people. This can be you. You can be someone who can step out. And all it takes is that one yes. And your whole life can change. Worship team, come on up. Can someone help me with this one? Thanks. <laughs> you know, um, people think that this life is a process. I think that's true, but the process is made up of little tiny moments. Does that make sense? So it is a process, but it consists of little tiny moments. And those are the moments that matter. When you wake up in the morning, I don't want to read my Bible, but if you say yes, that's part of the process. Right? I don't want to pray, but if you say yes, that's part of it. It's like these little moments where, you're, where you find yourself at a fork in the road. These are the moments that determine your character. Those, those are the moments that determine your integrity. Those are the moments that determine whether God is going to give you more because you've been faithful with the little. Right? These are the moments. Sometimes we think like it's just a process and we, we kind of wipe it like it's like this blur of a thing that, you know, I'm just waiting for the result. But we have to be intentional in the process. You see, Jesus, he was on his way to someone else. But in the process of him going there, he was actually able to be stopped and was able to be intentional with this one person while still continuing for the main mission that he was going after, which was to heal Jairus' daughter. And it's the same thing. We, maybe we have dreams of like, man, I, like for those of us who've been walking with the Lord, man, God has, God has filled me with his dreams and I want those dreams. Those are good dreams, but you're in that process, but that process consists of those little tiny moments of are you going to be faithful with those little moments, those little forks in the road? Because if you are, then he'll give you more. But if you're not, he's going to keep you there. And you'll never see that result. But he wants you to see that result. That's why he confronts you with those little moments. He's looking not for men and women who are incredibly gifted, but he's looking for men and women of God who have great character and great integrity 
because then they can steward his heart well, shine brighter. And you know, if you're not a believer and you think that getting to Jesus is a process, it's not. It's a moment like this that's part of your process. It's a moment like this of just saying a yes, whether it's weak or whether it's strong. God doesn't care and I don't care. What we look for is, is it a yes? And that little yes is enough to have like this snowball effect to completely, radically change your life. This is a reality that that Christians continually experience day after day. Our lives are continually being transformed. I, you know, after I got saved, I was like, whoa, like, I've learned more in this one month than I did my whole 21 years of living. Because God is continually transforming me every single day from one degree of glory to another. I am still very immature. I'm three years old in the Lord. I am a baby. <laughs> I know how to walk. That's it, you know? This is a reality that Christians are continually li living. And at the moment of salvation, that's what you're just stepping into at first. And so if we can stand up, I just want this to be a time of response to God. And to be honest, today, I'm not going to call you up to the front or anything. I want this to just be a moment between you and God. And, um, you know, uh, I'm going to ask you to kind of one tangible way that we can say our yes that that I believe can break every power every dark power that this world has is if we give God worship if we give God praise and even if you don't believe if you can just say yes to this you know when I said yes to this I whispered <laughs> I did right but I did it from the bottom of my heart. I whispered. But if you can give God this yes, no matter what bondage, what darkness you're in, God can come and rescue you. And so um, if we could, if you could just lead us in a song, and I'm just going to ask us to, to, to just give a yes to God in this.
Would you come and fill this place?